Thank you for joining us on the CFF podcast for our special week of sanctification. During this week, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be sharing on how to be sanctified with a purpose. Prepare your hearts to receive and allow the Word of God to bless you. This is your home. Love you guys very, very much. Eoni um, and I are really, really excited about this week's, uh, this week's uh, messages. Uh, but more than that, just to see the transformation of God in your life. Um, of course, we're going to be talking about sanctification, uh, but the understanding, the real understanding of what sanctification is, uh, I think that's, that word in itself sounds so religious, and it's uh, so many people are so put off by even the thought of holiness, um, especially your generation, the younger generation. When you talk about sanctification, it's this foreign concept that like, um, you know, old priests talk about. When you look at holiness in the Bible, you usually think perfection, and that is not what God is talking about. Uh, I want us to uh, come out of this week um, really hungry and, and just desiring to live holy and sanctified lives. God designed you to be sanctified. He designed you to, to, to be holy because he is holy. The Bible says that we have to be holy because he is holy. And I can give you 10 reasons on why holiness uh, but I don't want to do that. I want to just stick to a few simple things that will help you hunger and thirst for holiness. I want to give you uh, just maybe key words that is going to help you go down this road of the pursuit of holiness, the manifestation of the fruit of God in your life. Um, and so I, I want to give you, let me just pray for you. And, uh, and we're going to, I believe that today, like I said, it is one of these topics that if you don't change, um, if you don't change, it's because perhaps you weren't listening or because you ha you didn't think it was true. Uh, but you will be backed up against the wall, the wall between, uh, you know, uh, the word of God and your own will. Uh, at the end of the day, it is about that. It's saying, God, do I want your will for my life more than anything? Do I really want what you want more than what I want? I know that we could sing that. You know, we can pray it. We can even say it, you know, uh, recite verses, let your will, your kingdom come, your will be done. Uh, you know, uh, we can say these things, but nothing speaks louder than our lives. Nothing speaks louder than our lives. So uh, I pray that today uh, your life will be impacted. And so let's ask God, let's ask the Holy Spirit to to speak to us in this next 30, 40 minutes that we have left and uh, and just really lean into, into his word and lean into his presence. Is that good? Okay, go. All right, let's pray. Uh, dear God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your truth. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you transform us. God, that you change us into the people that you want us to be. God, we want our marriages, our lives, our families, God, our finances, our health, everything about us, God, to simply glorify your name. During these times, God, where many in the church have walked away, where many young people, God, are choosing everything except you. God, in these times where people are so afraid and divided, God, we choose to unite. We choose to be one in you. We choose, God, to pursue you, to lean into your presence, and to really want to be Christ-like in this world. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. I was, uh, you know, reading, uh, you know, earlier this week uh, that there was this general, you know, his name happened to be uh, Caesar, and Caesar uh, was a man of character, a man of integrity. There was a soldier in his ranks. He also was named Caesar, but the soldier was acting like a fool. The soldier, you know, would cuss up a storm, talk nasty all the time. And so finally the word got around to Caesar, the, the general. How long am I going to see you again? Sorry, can you guys mute yourselves? Thank you so much. 
Thank you, thank you. Did uh, or or are you guys asking me a question? Okay. I think you're good, Pastor. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I, I I thought somebody was asking a question. Um, but uh, so this guy, you know, this general Caesar, uh, he he confronts the soldier, right? The the potty mouth Caesar, and he simply he asks him, um, one one. I think this is what God would ask. Either you change your behavior or you change your name. Either you change your behavior or you change your name. See, what had happened is that this man, this general, had been honoring his name. His his life was giving an, an honor to his to his name, and the soldier was wrecking that honor of that name Caesar. Does that make sense? And so I, when I read that, I thought that was a pretty cool confrontation, and I believe that God would ask us the same in a different way, of course. Now, I don't think God wants us to change our names or he doesn't want us to stop being Christian, but I believe that the same heart applies here, the same mindset. Either you change your life or stop saying that you are. And I know that sounds super hardcore, but I believe that many of you here know, I believe every one of you here, myself included, need to hear these kind of things because most of the time, our Christianity has become a shadow of what it should be. It is simply a cheaper... God designed. God doesn't want another religious church. God doesn't want another world. Also, more of those. I think God really needs true ambassadors on earth, and God has designed us to be holy. He has designed us to be righteous. I want to tell you something that may shock you, but holiness is not a burden. To be righteous or to be to be holy before God, to be sanctified, is not a burden. You shouldn't feel like a burden. Holiness brings life to your life. Holiness brings something amazing to you. Sanctification is not this burden to be perfect or this burden to do things right all the time. It is your freedom in Christ to live. When you walk in holiness, it brings even more the life of God into you into your marriage, into everything that you do, into your thought life, into your feelings, into everything that you are, I will tell you, even in your health. But when you do not walk in holiness, you're walking in a contradiction. I've come uh, across many, many people that say, Pastor, I feel really guilty because I can't stop sinning, because I can't stop doing some things. And I feel so guilty. I don't, I, and I don't know what to do with it. And can I tell you what the first thing is that some of these people do is they go and instead of trying to change and continue to fight to change their lives, they begin to change their theology. They begin to change the way they believe. They begin to change the way they see things instead of changing their behavior. I've seen men and women do the same. I've seen people that have grown up in church with the same garbage behavior. It's like that man that was standing on the trail on the on the on the railroad tracks. And the sound of the train kept on going. The train was coming. You see, the man was on the phone. And instead of turning around, hanging the phone, and getting out of the, the way of the railroad tracks, he covered his, his other ear as to not hear the train coming. Or like the man that, you know, was a chain smoker, and he read that smoking can kill you. And so instead of smoking, uh, stop smoking, instead, he stopped reading. What happens with many Christians? Instead of changing the behavior, we try to change our theology. I guess Bishop Riel would say, instead of changing the man, we change the manual. And that is not God's will for our lives. God wants to give you so much more. I want to read to you three main passages, but I want to show you something so simple. Uh, I'm going to use a couple of things. You know, you guys know me. I'm very, very visual. And um, 
uh, I want to show you by, by two word pictures what sanctification is really about. Okay, I want to talk about two types of sanctification. The first type of sanctification is positional sanctification. So keep, keep that in mind, the position, the, 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 the immediate positional sanctification. And the other one is progression or progressive sanctification. Keep that in mind, position and progressive or a process. Okay, position, progression. A lot of Christians lean on and rest only on their positional sanctification. Now, listen, tonight and this week is not about making us just feel good, but about transforming our lives closer to the one who is actually good. A lot of preacher, preachers out there and many churches and had fallen into those problems before, into the, the very same, I'm going to call it sin, right, of preaching an incomplete gospel, an in, preaching an incomplete truth, of simply saying, hey, God's going to bless you. God, God loves you no matter what, which he does. God, God loves you no matter what. God, there's nothing you could ever do that will ever get you to be loved less by God. And that is very true. But that is only part of the equation. That is only the positional sanctification component. Progressional sanctification is different. Position doesn't require anything from you. It requires no hard work. It requires nothing but simply the grace of God as we understand it. And I pray that you could understand a little more before we finish this, this Zoom meeting. But all it requires is God's love towards you, and that's it. That is positional sanctification. It is immediate. Right away, God, right off the bat, sanctify you, and he justified you. Okay? He justified you. Just Justified means justified, never sin. When God sees that, he's like, boom, that's it. You've been justified. You've been saved by grace. The Lord already gave you a new position in life. That position now is to be a child of God. Does that make sense? You guys all have heard Frank and Alba's story on how they adopted uh, Jacob, right? And they want, they're about to, or they were praying that the adoption for Aki comes through, <laughs> right? The moment that kid, listen, the moment that kid became a Ponce, I was there. I was in the courtroom. I was, I, we all cried, man. It was so beautiful. Uh, I don't know. I wish we had pictures of it. But when the judge declared this kid the legitimate son of Frank and Alba Ponce, it was such a beautiful and such an exciting moment because this to me, it was the moment where, boom, he changed the position from, from being a foster kid into now being a true son of the Ponces. He became a Ponce. So that means that everything that Frank and Alba worked for, everything that they have, everything they are now belongs to this beautiful child. Now, no one can say anything different. Does that make sense? That's what happened with us. The Lord took us from going in one direction in one way, and he said, boom, this is my daughter. This is my son. You've been sanctified now. You're justified, and now you are mine. There's nothing you can do to get me to love you less. Position has changed. Now, listen up. That's what happened when I got married. When I got married, boom, this is what happened. This, is, uh, this says that... Um, that I'm off the market, that the ladies cannot claim me no more, like that no matter what, the ladies got no chance with this hunk of a man, right? This says legally that my beloved wife is, is all, she's all mine and I'm, and I'm all hers. This is a positional change. Some of you single people are like, dear Lord, I pray in this week of sanctification that you change my position from single into married. Hey, look, at, look at Marcos raising his hands. Mm. Okay, so that, that's what I'm talking about. The moment that you change, it's like, boom, position has changed, right? I am more than 10 years married now with Eoni. 
I'm not more married to Euni today than I was in 2009 when I married him. I am no more married to Euni today than I did in June 19, 2009. That is the truth. My position is shifted, and that was quick. That was a decision that happened forever. For me, it's till death do us part. There's nothing you can do short of shooting me and killing me to get me to be less of a husband to Elmi. So that's where all Christians love it, man. If you hear the, 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 the preaching today, if you hear the sermons today, it is so exciting to hear, so beautiful to hear, because who doesn't want to hear? Once you're married, you're always married. But you and I know the truth. Those of you that are married especially know that this is not enough, that this is beautiful and it is exciting and it is one component, but then you got to be married. Hello? Then you actually have to live. Then you actually have to walk as a husband, walk as a wife, do something, not just the, you know, the, let me put it like this. I am related to Emily now, but now I have to be in a relationship. It's not just relation. Now it's relationship. Am I making sense? Yes. So it's not just, just a hey, non related to this person. Now I need to live and glorify, right? That office. Now I need to change that. I need to honor the covenant. I need to honor the paper. I need to honor the person. I need to live and in a relationship, strengthen and, and show the world, my children, especially that I am hers and she is mine not just sing it in a song not just say it from a podium not just say i do or wear a ring right it is living out my relationship that is the difference between positional salvation positional sanctification and relational right and that progressive right one is right away you have to do nothing and the other one it's a process it's a progressive change this is what the Bible says. I want to take you to three main passages. Actually, we're going to use four. The first one is Hebrews 12, 14. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Did you hear what I said? It says, sanctification with which out, with which no one without. Meaning, if you don't have sanctification, you cannot see the Lord. Let me repeat that again, because I know a lot of people are going to be like, wait, hold on, Pastor. Can you lose your salvation? Can you not lose your salvation? This is what the Bible is saying. If you don't live a walk, if you are not walking a sanctified life, you won't see the Lord. Now, I didn't say it. This is what the Bible is saying. Does that mean that if you mess up, you're not a Christian? This is what this means. This means that if you don't care about sanctification and you don't want to be sanctified and you're not walking in the process of sanctification, you may have never been saved at all anyway. You hear what I just said? Some of you guys are like, the pastor just say that? Absolutely. See, this is the concept that most Christians, and especially young Christians, do not want to hear. They do not want to do it because it is inconvenient, and it seems like too much. When I talk about fasting, you pretend like, oh, what was that? Oh, oh my internet oh, it, reception. I can't hear anything. But when we talk about prosperity, and the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Receptive, receptiveness goes up. I want to share with you this because I love you, because we want your lives to prosper, to be blessed. We want the fruit of your life to be good fruit. We don't want the fruit of your life to be bad fruit. We want you to have evidence for your salvation. We don't want you to simply pretend and say it and sing it. And when you mess up, 
think that you're not even saved. See, the condemnation of living an unsanctified life is a heavier consequence than the mortification of a person saying, God, I want to I wanna die to myself daily so that I can live in you. You are a seed. Your life is a seed. I want you to listen to this carefully because this is what the Bible says, that there's this one seed of wheat, and unless it falls to the ground and it is buried, it could never bear fruit. That means this, that we need to have something called mortification. We need to learn to die daily. As the Apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. It is the most important thing I can tell you. I can tell you this, perhaps in my entire life, if you learn to walk in holiness, if you learn to walk in as a just, as, as a, as a, person who's been justified by faith and walks in the grace of God, then I can tell you this, your family will be blessed, your life will be blessed, your ministry will prosper, your life will have, an, will have evidence of the fruit of God, of who you are. A lot of people think that sanctification is, syn is a synonym of legalism. Meaning the moment you start talking about living a righteous life or, or killing sin and, and living a truthful life and really wanting to, to strive for holiness, people start being really wary about legalism. When you talk about fruit as an evidence of your salvation, a lot of your friends, some of them even Christian friends, will tell you, it's all about grace, brother. It's all about grace. God forgives. God loves you. Nothing you can do to get you to, for God to love you less. And that is the truth. God cannot love you less. But let me ask you this. I cannot come on to, up to my wife and tell her, Eoni, we are married. Therefore, I'm sleeping with all the women that I want. See, because this is legal. This is what it says. You cannot be less wife to me. So therefore, let me just open up a bunch of accounts and start befriending all kinds of ladies from all kinds of hoochie mamas all over the place and see which one sticks. Why can't I do that? Is it because that makes me less of a husband or this makes me more of a husband? No, it's because when I am someone, I should have fruit of that which I am, right? The Bible talks about this, that which is born of the spirit is spirit and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. What if all you have coming out of you is flesh? What if all you have coming out of you is simple sensuality, meaning you're living out of your senses, your thoughts, your, what do you think, what do you feel? There's no spirit. Your evidence for your life is simply carnal. I got to tell you this, the weight of that is painful. I've seen some of the people I love the most suffer so much because there's no fruit of the Spirit in their life. There's no evidence of salvation. And they begin to wonder and ponder if God is even real, if God is even working in their lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, people do not lose their faith. They lose their obedience first. A person that's walking in the obedience of God will never be in danger of losing their faith. Let me repeat that again. A person that walks in the obedience of God will never be in danger of losing their faith. Because the faith is always coupled, true faith is always coupled with obedience. If you obey God, the evidence of that obedience will be all over your life. Miracles, signs, and wonders will follow you. Let me tell you this. When you obey God, Prosperity is not even a word you worry about anymore. It chases you. The blessings of God, the doors that God opens, chase you. You know, the truth is this. Some things happen in our lives to challenge us. But a lot of things happen in our lives to challenge simply this. Are you living a holy life? See, our lives begin to be broken down when we live unrighteous and unholy lives. 
because we can mock the world, we can fool the world, we can pretend everything on the ground, but God knows. God knows exactly what's happening in your life. We cannot hide from God. That is a crazy thing, that God knows what you're thinking right now. Literally right now, if you're being distracted or if you're thinking something of the sermon or you're simply getting bored or you want to go to sleep or you're saying, God, I need to be transformed. I need to be changed. God knows exactly what you're saying, what you're thinking within you before there's even a word in your mouth, the Lord knows. And this is why it's so important to understand that holiness should be our, our obsession, our desire, something that we long for. The, it says in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are those that are holy, that are sanctified, those, have that, those that have a pure heart, because you're going to see God. So there you have the two opposites. One is telling you, if you're not sanctified, you will not see the Lord. And then it's saying, but if you are, you will see God. Do you think this is an option? No, this is called an imperative. It's something that you ought to do. It's very different to suggest than to impose. I could suggest to my son, put the blue shirt. It looks better than the yellow shirt. That is not an imperative. An imperative is this. We're going out. Put your shoes on. You're not leaving this house without shoes. Very different. A suggestion, right? The word has many wonderful advice, great things that it will tell you. Choices you will need to make. But this is an imperative. If you don't do this, then you will not have that. But if you do this, then you will see the Lord. How many of you want to see the Lord in your home? Come on. Man. How many of you want to see God in your marriages, in your future marriages? How many of you to see, want to see God in, your, in this time of pandemic? How many of you guys want to see God in your life, in our world? I want to see God. I want to see God more and more in my children's life. I want to see God more and more in my family. But the Bible tells me that if I do not live and if I don't walk according to his truth, if I am not sanctified, then I will not see the Lord. Some people think that this means simply salvation, that if you're not sanctified, that you will not be saved. That could be true, but maybe, just maybe, it's saying this. If you don't live a sanctified life, if you don't fight for holiness, then don't even try to have a meeting with me because you know you don't want me. Sometimes I, I get bombarded with people that want to meet, and I love meeting with, and I, I, you guys know I do my very best to schedule things around, to move things around, and to meet with you. Sometimes we have people here till 2 or 3 in the morning, and we love it. We don't kick you out. We want to cook for you. We want you to be a part of our lives. But if I know somebody who doesn't want to change, somebody doesn't even care, they're just meeting because their leader told them that they needed to meet with a pastor. Do you really think, really, really think that I want to have time with that person? Do I really want to see that person? Do I really want to see someone who doesn't really value nor care about the advice or the words? Now that context is here. Without, without sanctification, you will not see God. Meaning if you don't pursue his will, if you don't pursue his heart, don't even try to make an appointment because he's not going to want to see you. Man, that's a hard truth. But dear church, dear CFF, I was conflicted with the thought. The enemy told me something before I prepared this message for you. He said, this is a time where people need to be loved and hugged. And I know the voice of God. And I know that didn't come from God. You need to be loved and hugged. Absolutely. Let me just love you. You're beautiful. You're amazing. There. But I think God was simply saying, true love, real love comes with a deep longing desire to see that person blessed and walking blessing, even if they don't like you. This is a time where a lot of people are choosing to log off, choosing to log off the presence of God, 
love of the church, love of relationship with the Christian, love of simply those that will challenge their status or their way that they behave that is ungodly. And I thought it was a risk. And I realized that if I talk about holiness, two things can happen. One, you'll get so mad. You'll get so confronted. You may even feel guilty for a little bit. Or you may even say, that's not what I needed. I just wanted to hear some encouragement. Or number two, you'll actually begin to long for holiness. You'll begin to walk in righteousness. And not only will you be encouraged, but you will be encouraged by the fruit of your life, by the truth, by what's going to come after you begin to chase after holiness and sanctification. I want to tell you this. This to me, it's so important. I am positionally, relationally a married man, and I live according to that. But now my relationship with my wife has blessed me so much because I'm living according to that relationship. I'm desiring to please her. She's desiring to please me. Her desires are my goals. And so my relationship has blessed my life so much. I got to tell you these wonderful things. I can watch Netflix until whatever hour I want with my spouse, and I can you know, be in bed until whatever I want. I don't have to drop her off. I know some of you single people are really angry right now, right? My finances are her finances. We work together to build something for our children and the future. Does that make sense? When she wins, I win. When I hurt, someone hurts with me. When I need prayer, she lays hands on me and I lay hands on her. What a blessing it is to live in the holiness of my marriage, in the sanctification borders of my marriage. Ask yourself if you're a married man and your marriage is hurting, if you have lived actually in holiness according to the parameters of your marriage. You cannot reap the true fruit of the benefit of life unless you walk in holiness. A lot of people have asked me and they've, I, I have told me, Pastor, I tried walking with God. I tried the Christian life and I just left. I walked away because I didn't see things changing. Let me tell you something. If that was you, or if that is you, or if you're even thinking down that road, it is demonic and it is satanic. It's like me telling my wife after a week or a year, you know, I try this. I think I'm done with you. It's not trying. See, if I try, I'll never make it. It's not about trying to be a husband. It's about being, about there's no way out. I burned the ships. This is who I am. There's nothing else out there. I might as well die for this. Am I making sense? Your Christian life is not saying, I'm going to try to live holy. I'm going to try to love, you know, try to sanctify. Pastor, I think I'm going to try again. I got really encouraged by your sermon. You're already going to screw up if you think that way. It's, I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of God. Therefore, I will live my very la until my very last breath, fighting for holiness, fighting to be sanctified because my Father in heaven is holy. And I want to see him. And I want to live in a way that pleases him. I don't want to live at odds with him. I want my relationship to be good with him. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Instead, I want to walk in the freedom that there is in his sanctification. I just covered positional sanctification. Now let me go to progressive sanctification. A lot of people think that sanctification is boom, position, done, right? Well, this is... God's revelation to me, as you guys know, I love working with my hands and with wood and metal and all that. And this to me, it's progressive sanctification. What is this? This is a big old screw, right? It's a, it's a, a, a hex screw. These things uh, describe to me perfectly what sanctification is. Have you guys ever heard the term, man, I really screwed up. 
right? You really, really screwed up. Remember that when you think of progressive, progressive sanctification, remember there's the screw. Man, I really screw up. Man, I'm screwing up. This is what happens, okay? A lot of people live their lives like this. Okay? This, is, this is my uh, sanctification uh, explanation tool, very, very sophisticated. Um, so this is you, right? You, you, you were born, right? Perfect, right? Beautiful, stainless steel-like. And so you, <laughs> you start, um, give me a second. So you start now screwing up, right? In your life, you, you, know, you meet, uh, you're like four years old and um, you're okay then, but then you turn seven. And then you start screwing up. You turn eight, you start screwing up, turning nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. By then you already slipped with a girl or a guy or who knows, maybe even both. By then you already, you know, smoked some stuff, drank some stuff, talked some nasty stuff, talked with nasty folks. You know, you did all kinds of, you kept screwing up all this. Talk bad about people. Just keep on screwing up, right? This is your life all the way through, all the way through. And your life is all screwed up, right? You're all, you're, this is, and now you say, God, change me, sanctify me. And the Lord says, okay, I'll sanctify you, right? I'm going to change the position. Instead of going this way, now we click and we're going now the other way. That's positional change. Now you just change. Now you're not going this way anymore. Now you're going the other way. Lefty, loosey, righty, tidy, right? Now you start going out. Boom. The process of sanctification. You see that one thread right there? I know it's kind of hard to see. But you see that one thread right there? That's the first year of your, of your, of your walk with Christ. And you think you're done. Hey, I'm sanctified already. I'm already set. And God says, no, buddy. you got a long way to go. We still got to do more unscrewing up. And that's called the process of sanctification. That's your Christian life. Boom, 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 boom. Pastor, I went to encounter. You know what I mean? Pastor, I went to ring. Oh, but guess what? After encounter, one of your buddies hit you up. The other way now. Am I making sense? God wants you to be free 100% in your life. He wants you to walk in holiness, but you want to keep on screwing up. And God says, no, I want you to walk in sanctification. I want you to have a sanctified life. And pretty soon, you're almost there. And the more you do this, the more you walk with God, the more you know about God, the more the word of God is in you, the more you start living a process of sanctification until you are now free again and the bible says that those that the father that the son sets free they are free indeed but you may ask yourself pastor i don't feel free i don't and i know you don't feel free because you're not yet fully free your mind is still screwed up your heart is still screwed up you still are argumentative you still get in fights with your wife you still believe it or not still watch things you shouldn't watch say things you shouldn't say listen to people that you should have never heard in the first place and so you get really frustrated because you're like, I'm not free. I'm not free. And God's saying, I know. It's called process. So walk with me. Fight. But it's hard. I know. I'll give you the tools. I'll work with you. And I know this for some of you guys got lost the moment I brought a screw out. But I hope you understood the, pro the concept of simply saying, God, my life is like this, full of these tiny little grooves. And I'm here, 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 here. And don't give up. Don't, don't get discouraged because God is saying you're almost out of the woods. For some of you, you've been fighting for a long time. And God's saying just a little more, one more push. But many people decide instead of that, they say, you know what? Forget it. I'll stop pushing. I'll just stay stuck where I'm at. And I'll just rely on my positional sanctification. And, you know, I think that's a very wrong mindset. 
Not only is it wrong because it's a dangerous road to walk down. You may be walking down to hell thinking you're going to heaven. Did I just say that? Absolutely. If you don't desire to see God, how would you ever want to spend eternity with him? And why would he ever want to bring you into his house if you don't desire him? Now, pastor, that makes me feel even worse. I know because this is what happens. We have come to a culture, a generation that feels like guilt is your enemy. And I got to tell you this, contrary to all the books you will read today and all the other sermons you can click into and all the other cool, good-looking, young hipster pastors that you can watch, I got to tell you, guilt may be your best friend. I know some of you, did he just say that? I got to go back and read 10 more psychological books. Listen, your conscience is God-given to you so that you do not fall away from grace. Now listen, your conscience, conscience may be your best friend, but your conscience is simply this, a tool given to you by God. And the direction that your conscience flows depends on the words that you allow to flow into your mind. It depends on who has control of your conscience. Your conscience is the greatest tool you have. It's not a bad thing. Your conscience is wonderful. If you feel bad about something, I say good. Good. Feel horrible about it. Now, pastor, are you really saying that? Really, really? Yes. If you stop feeling bad about your sin, you are in bigger trouble than you thought you were. If you're feeling bad about doing something that doesn't please God, praise the Lord that you still have a conscience. Praise God that he's still convicting you, that he still says, I have more for you, boy. I have so much more for you. The moment I expect my son to do something better, it means this. I know he's got it in him. But if I settle, I say, it's okay, Elijah, just, just, just leave it like that, kid. Then I'm saying this, that's as good as you can do. See, I had a coach in college that he used to get so mad at me. You heard me talk about this. He pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And I asked him one time, why, why do you do this? Why do you treat me like this and not the others? I was being a little whine, you know, a little wussy, right? And he said, Pablo, because I believe in you. The moment I stop pushing you, then I no longer believe in you. I was like, all right, coach, thank you for pushing me. I walked out of the office and I was like, I hope he never stops pushing me. See, I believe that conscience and guilt sometimes is a wonderful thing. Before some of you fall apart and start crying before you click off, listen, I know two ways of getting get rid of guilt, two simple ways. You don't want guilt in your life? Very simple. Number one, you take it to the cross. You go to God and say, take this from me. I do not want it. And number two, stop walking towards it. Stop embracing it. Stop saying, God, take it, and hugging it at the same time. Yes, Lord, you can have it, and not letting go. It's like that little girl whose little kitten died, right? And they had to bury it in the backyard. And said, Dad, I want to bury it myself. And the dad is like, okay, you want to do it? Fine, that's fine. I think it'll be closure for you. So she goes and buries her little kitten in the backyard. And the father saw that every day the little girl would go out there and would begin to do something. She would lay next to the grave, and the father thought, man, she's really taking this hard. And so every day she'd go out until finally one day the father went out there with her, and he noticed there was something crazy. Out of the ground, the cat's tail was sticking out. She buried the body of the cat, but she left the tail out, and she would go out there and pet it every single day. That's crazy and creepy and weird, and don't ever do that, right? That's not letting go. That's saying, yes, God. I won't want the guilt, but you still want to play with it. And that's what God is simply telling you. I want you to walk in holiness. I don't want you to pretend like we're doing this. I don't want to pretend 
Like we really are going out and all it is is a one night stand. God wants you to walk in truth. So when you fall, what happens? What do you do when you sin? I didn't say if. Let's be real here. What do you do when you fall? Now I pray that as the years go by, you don't fall into the same trash, into the same garbage as you used to in the beginning. If you keep falling into the same thing, there's something that needs to really change within you. You need an encounter with God. You need the revelation of the cross. And you need to really ask yourself, am I really desiring God more than anything else? Have I really given over my life to God? If you're not really desiring God more than anything, ask yourselves why. I believe that there's a very lazy Christianity. I want to kind of bring this to, to, a, to a, put it in a shell, put it in a bowl so you could actually take it. What happens? Why is it that when we sin, when we fall? Why is it that when you, you know, watch something you shouldn't? Why is it that when you say stuff you shouldn't, you feel bad about it and, and you, you seem to not be able to change? I want to give you two simple solutions, and tomorrow we're going to get very practical. We're going to get down to specifics on how to change a life from holiness. I mean, from I guess we can call it from the lack of passion and lack of pursuit into a life that desires and really longs to see Jesus. The one way, the first way, the first step that I can tell you that you can take towards holiness is recognize, realize your current condition. You have to realize that there's something wrong with you. If you don't see something wrong with liking what you're doing and continuing to do it over God, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong at the root. And I believe that the root for some of you is your theology. Now, when you hear theology, you usually hear by people who are argumentative. Well, your theology is wrong. Your doctrine is wrong. They don't even know what the word doctrine means, and they're already arguing about a doctrine, right? Your dogmas, the way that you think, your 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 parameters about God's existence and the way he relates to his people are faulty. They're not right. Because to you, sometimes I believe that the word grace, the grace that God gives you has been misused and abused. The word grace, listen to what I'm about to say to you. The word grace is so beautiful. It's so incredible. It's so majestic, but people narrow it down to simply this. It is what God gives me after I sin. Grace is what God gives to me so that I don't feel bad after I sin. And I will tell you that, yes, grace partly does that. The grace of God covers a multitude of sins. But the grace of God also is the power of God before you sin so that you do not sin. Grace is after the fact, and grace is all-encompassing before the fact. The grace of God is a big blanket, and it's not only thereafter, it's there before. The grace of God is so powerful. Have you ever seen someone do something so graceful that they make it look easy? Have you guys ever seen an, an athlete do things that you're like, nah. that, that, that seems so easy? I don't know if you know, but CFF used to have a soccer team. And in our soccer team, we used to record games with a, with a GoPro. And I would put it up on the, on the, on the goals, right? And I remember, you know, we would watch the games sort of like Barcelona. We watch Messi and, and Suarez and Neymar do these amazing moves. You know, they do these crazy kicks, right? You know where I'm going with this. 
And I was looking at it. I was like, yeah, that's, that must be how I look, right? On the field, like you think you look away and you think you run fast because in your mind, you're going 100 miles an hour. And your kick is so hard because you heard the ball, boom, right? And so what happened is that we used to do these, these moves. This, this, we'd score the ball or we'd pass it or, you know, we, we, would, we were not so bad, okay? We weren't so horrible. But when we would go back and look at the, 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 the videos, oh, my, it was so embarrassing. Because what we thought was the coolest goal ever, it looked like just <laughs> maybe yeah, you know, maybe Marco's goals were good or Chris, but man, whenever I would score, it looked like a complete fluke. It didn't look like Messi, it looked like Chicharito at best. Right? It was like, what? Why would like it was almost embarrassing to see how slow we were all running and how how clumsy our, our moves looked. That's so crazy because we didn't realize, okay, well. We don't have the grace for this. Some people have the grace. Like I said, I mentioned a couple. But when you see these guys, they make it seem so effortless. They make it seem like it's just amazing. That's called grace. When you see a figure skater, you see grace. When you see me on the ice ring, ice ring, you see, I don't know what you see, not grace. You can see someone trying hard, but it's not grace. See, grace is the power to do something and make it look easy. Let me repeat that again. Grace is the power to do something and make it look easy. You got to get, <laughs> let's go, Frank. You got to get to the place in your life where people say, how do you live like that? That's not fair. That's because you are Jorge. Oh, that's not fair. That's because you're Marco. That's because you're Lucy. Oh, well, that's because you're Angie. You know, if I was Angie, I, I, whatever, I would do the same. I would live like that. Well, that's because you're Sal and Angie. Well, that's why you guys live so in love and blah, blah. That's because you guys are you. That's called grace. That You should be thankful. You should be like, yep. That's the grace of God, making it look easy, making it look easy. I want to teach my kids that, hey, make it look easy. Like, you have to try your very hard. You have to give it all you got, but you got to make it look easy. What happens is this. Many Christians live this pious life, and they really try to be holy, but then they make it look so hard. They make it look like this torture. Yeah, brother, I'm fasting. You know, I'm really, really fast. I'm just, you know, just enduring the faith here. I'm just, you know, trying to be holy and... Yeah, it is. Uh, but you know, God gives me grace. That's not grace. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It's like when people when when people saw Daniel fasting, they saw him brighter, stronger, happier. They see him flourishing. You know, your Christianity ought to make want people want to be a Christian. Your Christianity ought to make want people want to be Christian because you're making it look easy. You're making it look so beautiful, so incredible. And it's not because you're making it look, it's because you're working it. You're really working out your salvation. That's what the Bible says, that you ought to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It doesn't mean you walk around scared. It means that you walk around understanding that at every single turn, there's a devil. There's a, there's a, a lion prowling about, seeking whom to devour. But also the fear of God to say, I don't fear that. I fear the one who can take my life. I fear God himself. It's amazing to me how many people are so afraid of what people will say and are so not afraid of what God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says about them. The most important thing about your life is what God thinks of you and what God feels of you. Let me repeat that again. Whatever God feels and thinks towards you, that matters most. My wife can be angry at me, but if God is pleased, then I'll take it. My whole church can say, I'm leaving, I'm logging off. But if God is pleased, then praise the Lord, and I'm just, in, I'm in success. 
What God thinks of you is more important than any one of your friends, any one of your family members. As a matter of fact, Jesus says that unless you hate your father and mother, you cannot come after him. That doesn't mean that you're going to go hate your family so you come after God. It means in comparison to how much you would love God, everything else seems like hate. In comparison to how much you desire him, everything else seems to not even matter. Now, how many of you are there? How many of us are there? We're not there yet. This is why I'm talking about. This is why this is the week of sanctification. Say, God, I want to be closer to that. I want to make those kind of decisions. I want to walk in a way that produces life and not death. Guys, you grew up in a, in, a, in a culture where everybody gets a trophy. It is so weird to me. Little kids get trophies for losing. People get bonuses for just being. We get extra stuff for just being alive. Now, that may be okay when you're getting that stuff, but it doesn't produce the right fruit. Why am I telling you this? Because, see, I studied psychology, family and child psychology. One of the things that we think is that avoiding pain is the greatest thing. Fathers tell their kids, the reason I work so hard and the reason I want my kid is so that my kid will have everything that I've had. I don't want him to experience what I've experienced. What if what you experienced made you strong and hardworking and you're taking that away from your kid? What if what you experienced has made you the man of God or the woman of God who sought after the Lord? What if, just maybe, just maybe, everything that you had to work for, you're depriving from those that are coming after you? Man, I got to tell you this. God wants us. He wants you and I to really search after him and work hard. Work hard. Christianity is not easy. But with the grace of God, we can make it look easy. Man, Christianity is never meant to be an expectator sport. If Christianity is not meant to be lived out on the couch. Christianity is a tiring, wearing out, filled with victories, filled with conquest. And you cannot have victory and conquest without battles. This is the most important, incredibly important thing that you have to understand. My Christianity must cost me something, otherwise it's worth nothing. If your Christianity is not worth anything to you, it's because you haven't paid a price for it. You have to today decide that I want to fight for holiness. If I stumble, if I fall, I'll get back up and I'll chase after God with all I've got. Listen to these verses. First, of all, First Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8. For this is the will of God. God, what's the will? What's your will for my life? Should I, got, should I marry this guy? Should I not marry this guy? Should I marry this girl? Should I get this job? What's your will for my life? This is going to simplify for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain, and then he goes on to explain, just in case we missed it. Just in case the, the definition changed over the years, God said, to abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in lustful passion, like the Gentiles or those that do not know God. And that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, meaning you could say, nah, Paul, nah, Pablo, that's not true. I, you know, that just doesn't make me feel good. That's not really the gospel. I'm just going to, it's not right. And the Paul says, you're not rejecting man. You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit 
to you. Holiness is not only necessary, holiness is your blessing. Holiness is not only necessary, is not only your blessing, but holiness is our marching orders. Holiness is part of our identity. Holiness is part of our identity because God, our Father in heaven, is holy. My kids are to act like a Martinez because they belong to the Martinez family. Your kids are Smith and they are to act like Smiths. See, if you're holy, walk like your Father God who is holy. Am I making sense? And the last one, and the most simple thing is this. Paul said it. 1 Corinthians 15.10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Meaning, I work hard at this more than all of them. I work hard at this gospel thing. I work hard at my salvation. I work hard at being a believer. My Christianity is not passive. I am a hard-working believer. You are in a very dangerous position the moment you were born after a certain year and a certain era. In a moment where trophies are being handed, where you don't get rewards for effort, but by simply breathing and existing. Life is not easy. Don't ever think that way. Life is laborious. It is work. And you know what? Labor and work has its own rewards. Someone told me, at what age do you want to retire? And I told them, never. Two reasons why. Because when I studied psych, this is what they said. The people who retired and do not their labor or what they were used to or expand their mind or keep on growing are seven times more prone to getting Alzheimer's than people who continue to expand their minds, who continue to challenge their lives. If you become passive, disease strikes your mind. I will tell you the same thing with your Christianity. The second reason why I wouldn't retire is this, because I believe that God has a purpose for me, and I will never retire from my purpose. I may switch jobs. I may switch positions. I may not weld all my life. I may not be, you know, translate all my life, but I'm always going to live out my calling. Always. I cannot retire from being a person. I, that's called death, right? I will never retire from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will never retire from making disciples. Will it change? Hopefully. I pray that greater and better come after me. But, man, I always want to do what I am. Am I making sense? So where I was going is super simple. This is Paul saying, I work hard at this, baby. I work hard at being a Christian. This is not a pretend thing. This is not a, I just go to church and, you know, the easier life I can get, the better. I believe that the most inconvenient of truths is the one that leads you to change. Man, when it's really inconvenient, when it really inconveniences you, it's like, that's when you say, okay, fine. I either do this or I don't. Some things you can kind of, beat around the bush but when God confronts you with something like this you have choices to give up and to stop pretending and say okay I'm done with this or to simply say God I want to walk in truth I want to walk in holiness the culture of hard work has to come back to your life and I'm not just talking about hard work with your hands but with your heart with your soul with your Christianity with your faith to work hard for the king of kings to work out your salvation to work to be holy I know sometimes, guys, it could be tiring to live life, but it is so much more draining to live life in an unrighteous way. When you're walking with God, it is so beautiful. One guy told me this. He said, I have three. He had a wife and three other families. I didn't say like girlfriends or, or, or people he talked to at work. I'm talking about three 
families. I said, okay, let me just back up a little bit. You, you mean to tell me you have your wife with kids and then you have another lady with kids and then another lady with kids and then another lady with kids. And the guy laughed and he said, yeah. I said, how do you do that? I didn't mean like, how do you do that? Show me. I mean, like, how do you do that? That sounds like the most draining, most horrible, difficult. Oh my goodness, how? Hiding, you know, pretending the lies, the, the shuffling of things, the, the conscience. I mean, the draining of the finances, the time. How do you live like this guy was like about to commit suicide? And then this guy was at the end of himself. I was like, you know what? I remember the passage that says, and you shall know the truth. And you guys could finish that passage. You know, it's crazy because Paul says, I wear myself out for the gospel. I wear myself out for holiness. And yet this man is so strong. This man had so much life in him. And yet I find people across the world that are so lifeless. They have nothing. And that's because they don't walk in holiness. They neither try nor want it. I want to pray for you for something that God gives you the grace to bear good fruit. Not because your good fruit will save you, but because you are saved. The difference between legalism and truly desiring holiness is this. The Bible says that a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. But fruit will not change the tree, right? It's not like you could just hang a bunch of good fruit on a tree and pretend that that tree is going to change. No. If the tree is good, then the fruit will be good. Legalism says, I'm going to have a bunch of good fruit, and that's going to make me good. That's legalism. Legalism is trying to earn your salvation, trying to earn your position before God. That's legalism. Holiness, it says, I know who I am in you. You saved me. You chose me. You gave your son for me. I am your child. I bear your name. Therefore, I will bear good fruit. And if there's any bad fruit, I will cut it out. This is what the Bible says. What if your eye causes you to stumble? The Bible says, pluck it out. What if your hand causes you to stumble and cut it off? What if your ear, I guess, cut it off? Everything. I think we need to start doing more cutting off. And so you guys are like, what? No, I don't mean like pluck out your eye. I mean like maybe give away your computer. I don't know. I don't mean like pluck, you know, pluck out your eye, but maybe just maybe or, or cut off your hand. But instead of cutting off your hand, cut off that one thing that's really destroying you. Is the intention of the mind, is the, the desires of the heart. I encourage you guys to say, God, what do I need to cut off this week? What do I need to get rid of? Because I would rather, like my friend Jason Felix, who has leg amputated, and out of that amputation, he now gave his life to Christ. He says, I would rather hop into heaven than walk into hell. To say to God, God, I want you I want to be resting in you. I want to be able to find rest and peace in you. I want you to satisfy me. I want you to sanctify me. I know that God loves you so much. And through this process, not just this week, but your life, a lifelong pursuit of holiness. Change your name if you have to. Change your, your whatever it is that you need to change. Your friendships. Change, change, change. Whatever it is, cut stuff up. Now, I'm not saying if your wife is not Christian, go divorce her. Have, have, no, no. I'm saying to you, change your behavior so that she would see the good fruit and want to eat off of it. I'm just saying to you, this is the time to say, God, change me, change me, change me. Amen. If we're ever going to change the world, we first have to change ours. Guys, Eoni and I love you guys so much.
And that's why we confront you sometimes with your sin. If your leaders don't confront you, it's perhaps for two reasons. One, they're living in sin themselves and they don't feel like they have the authority. Or two, they think you're so soft-skinned, so thin-skinned that you're going to get offended, mad, and you're not going to receive it. So I would just ask you to tell them, I need help. And really pray and say, God, change me. I need to be confronted with those things that I don't even see. I need perspective in my life. The greatest thing of a coach is not how good he is, but it's simply that he's outside of you, that he can see things you can never see. I just really encourage you guys to say, God, change me. Help me to change my life. Help me to give things up. The reason I we're fasting this week, I'm going to close the iPad so you know I'm actually ending. Otherwise, I keep getting all my points and I'm not going to get there. But the reason we're fasting this week is so that God will give us hunger for holiness, sanctification, that his purpose would be our purpose, that his desire would be our desires. Some of you are praying for some things, and I think that's a good thing to tell God what you want. But I think more important than that is to say, God, I want your will over all these things. Let your will be done. And if that aligns with these things, then I want them. If I don't, if these things don't align with you, then I don't want him. I don't want her. I don't want them. I don't want that. I just want you first. This is where the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added on to you. If you're lacking a bunch of things, could it be maybe that you haven't sought out the kingdom of God, but maybe you sought out the benefits of the kingdom? Could it be that if you're lacking some things and you perpetually lack those, that God, and you think you're pious, though, you may think you're doing it well, but maybe just maybe God needs to show you that you haven't really been seeking the kingdom. Maybe you've been seeking the protection of the kingdom or the provision of the kingdom, but to seek the kingdom of God is to seek the king and his ruling over your life. That your opinions come second to his. This is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. It is a kingdom. And that is a very different way to live. I don't vote. I wasn't voted into salvation. Hello? I wasn't voted into salvation. I didn't get a committee and say, hey, may I be saved? My king decided. My Lord gave his life and I'm saved. Right? This is the same thing for now. I want you guys to think in this, God, I want your kingdom first. I want what you want for my life first. And everything else will come into play. I believe it. There's no better time to believe in this than now. All these uncertainties should make you more certain than ever. That if you walk with the Lord, everything's going to be not just okay, but more than okay. Guys, we want you to prosper. We want you to be blessed. We want you to be able to say to your children and your children's children, this is the way, this is the truth, and this is the life. It is only Jesus. We love you guys so much. I want to pray for you now. I want to pray that God gives you hunger, holy hunger, that as you fast, you mortify, you kill more of your flesh so that that seed that is buried can give spiritual fruit. And those things that you've been praying for and longing for would be more evident in your life. Does that make sense? I know I said a lot today. There's a lot of many different terms. I invite you guys to dig into them. You took your notes. I don't know if this is being recorded. I believe it is. Uh, but there's so much out there. I'll, at the end of this, uh, we could be at the end of this week, I could give you guys resources so you can learn a little bit more about sanctification and what does it mean. There's a lot of people that say many different things. You know, I find that when people want to be excusing their sin, all they want to know is about grace. But they always oh, all grace, the grace, 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 grace. And they, they want to know grace. But if they really knew grace, they wouldn't be looking for an excuse of sin. They'd be looking to get rid of the sin. Right? They don't, they, I don't want to get rid of my guilt. I want to get rid of my behavior that leads me to guilt. It's like someone saying, yeah, I want the judge to declare me 
<laughs> I want the judge to declare me, you know, righteous and that, that I'm not guilty. And then I go on back and do the same thing. I want my behavior to change. After all, that's the reason if it's a good judge. So I just really encourage you guys to say, God, I want to change. I want to change towards my family, towards my wife, towards my husband, towards my kids. So I want to change towards my perspective of finances. I want to change in, in, my, in my, my, the lust of my eyes, right? The desires of the flesh, my ear, the t- tingle, you know, they, 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 they tickle when I hear the wrong stuff. I pray that you guys change. I've seen churches, entire churches, be beautiful on the outside. You know, man, they're majestic. But I believe that the Lord is simply saying, I'd rather you meet in caves with holiness and have this beautiful building. And your hearts are dark. Your hearts are just not where I want them. I'd rather you sound like horrible with your throat and sound horrible when you sing, but your hearts are pure than sound like Grammy or, you know, whatever winners. And I'd rather have you the purest heart. I believe that there's a way to have both. I believe there's a way to have all of it. But you cannot start with giftings. You have to begin with character. You cannot start with the pretending. You have to begin with the transforming. And so I just want to encourage you guys to really live out your salvation, to really fight hard to live holy. It'll save your life. It'll save your marriage. It'll save your children. It'll save you time and money. I promise you that. But let me pray for you guys. And uh, as we pray, go ahead and close your eyes. Um, and let's, let's do this thing. Dear God, thank you so much because you didn't only show us that you're holy. You taught us how to be. Dear Father, you are so holy. And because you're holy, you cannot commune. You cannot have relationship with unholy. So thank you for providing the greatest solution, which is your son, Jesus Christ. So that when you see us, as we take on him, you see the righteousness of Jesus and not the unrighteousness of each one of us. Thank you because you have clothed us with righteousness, your righteousness, not our own. Out of that, we want to live a thankful life, a life full of grace, a life that is truly honorable. We want to pursue holiness. We want to pursue sanctification, even if it costs us our life, our finances, our relationship with people. We want you more than anything. Dear God, I ask you now, help us to be savages, God, to be violent against sin. That as angry, God, as you are against sin, we can take on the same. That we would love people to death, but we would love them back to life, God. I pray right now, God, that we love them with everything, God, but that we do not tolerate in our lives that which destroys our testimony that can save them. God, I pray right now that everyone listening to this, that they would hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be blessed. Jesus, thank you. I pray right now that you make us those kind of people. Help us, God, to become those kind of people that do not feel guilty, walk around feeling guilty, not because we changed our standards, but because we lived up to them. Jesus, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, I know there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of things you're going to be working on, a lot of things that God's going to be doing in you, and and he will be doing them through you. The reason you're going to be fasting is so that the flesh and those desires will start just being chopped down and cut down. Do two things you don't like every single day simply for the practice so that later when you get to do those hard things and you have to come across the reactions, then, you know, you can actually uh, uh, have the strength to work out to be able to, the condition, I guess you can say, to be able to do that. Tomorrow I want to be talking, I'm going to be talking about patterns that will change your life. 
patterns of holiness, behavioral patterns of holiness. Uh, and I just, I encourage you to, to really make, make sure you don't miss it. We love you guys so much. And uh, I could see already that, uh, you know, there's uh, everybody stuck with it the whole time. So congratulations to all of you. Uh, we love you guys very much. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 7.30 and uh, live in holy lives. It's worth it, I promise.